And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with the illumined Dr. Bear Paul Lando as we come to you live and direct from the beautiful state of Jefferson up here on the Smith River, where we are so blessed to be. Uh, it's been torrential downpour for weeks now. As winter, we may actually have a real winter, uh, which is interesting. Maybe all the organite we've been putting out there, thanks to Mitch and um, our community, is having a, an effect. Uh, obviously, fire season's been over for weeks now, and uh, I'm loving the rain. I'm loving the water. I've already gotten four or five days fishing on the river. Uh, no luck with the salmon, but um, the salmon counts higher than it's been in five, five years. So a lot of positive stuff right now in our neck of the woods people moving here, uh, people coming together. Uh, we'll have some big announcements too. Um, Josh Del Sol and I with Reunion Summit have partnered up with Health Freedom for Humanity. I'm not going to drop the name yet or the dates yet because we haven't officially announced, but just let you know, we're coming with a big online event uh, very soon that um, is looking to impact. Uh, we're hoping, looking to hit five, a half a million souls to raise the consciousness together and with some big, big names, uh, very exciting times. Uh, on the farm, I know um, we've been busy on the farm and uh, getting uh, kind of prepped for winter. And uh, I'll let Bear speak to that a little bit and what he's been doing with uh, the new uh, lab building we've got up. And of course, we do have our GoFundMe going uh, this winter. We really want to focus on getting that the, the larger building up so that we can be hosting workshops on the land come next spring and into summer. That is very important for us um, to connect in the real, in the 3D here, so that we can uh, galvanize our intention into uh, onto uh, the land here with growing food, with spagyrics, with all the stuff that Bear talks about in terms of uh, uh, bioterrain medicine and, um, of course, uh, uh, the, uh, the permaculture and everything we do there on the land. So very exciting times. We thank you all for joining us. If you are new to Alpha Vedic, you can find out everything about us at alphavedic.com. That's A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. And also join our online community at tele on telegram at t.me forward slash alphavedic. That is just blown up. It's so fun in there. Join us. We were very solutions oriented, very positive. The mindset in there is, is just amazing. So t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic. Uh, Bear, by the way, did you want to give any updates on the land? What's going on before we uh, jump in with our wonderful guest, Alana? Sure. It's very wet. And uh, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Okay. Um, okay. Hayes uh, in the barn. Um, you know, we had to convert uh, our new lab building into, a, into an exclusive drying room because our new greenhouse where we're going to have built-in dehydrators for massive drying that, you know, is we still haven't got the roof on that. Anyway, um, that's all cleaned out. Now we're ready to fully equip the lab. And uh, I'm looking forward to winter actually, because we get caught up with a lot of creative projects and catch our breath from just lifting boulders and digging ditches outside and everything. Um, but Alana, so delightful to have you here again. Uh, and, and, and we're saying it's been a whole year and holy shnikes, what a year it's been, but no surprise <laughs> to you. I don't think as far as what events have transpired, right? No, no, this is, this is sort of the, uh, the apotheosis of what we were foreseeing in the sixties, in my opinion, and um, that it came in this form was a little surprising, but not really after I took a breath and realized, yeah. oh yeah, the biomedical uh, big pharma industry is, uh, is so powerful, so powerful. 
And, um, yeah. and as you know, uh, I spent two and a half years writing the present book and it is out. I am so excited. See, see, it's wow. Amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on that. I know. And it's look at the length, 690 wow. pages, kind of embarrassing, but when you're doing a big thing, like tying it all together, it takes uh -huh. some room. And bears, and bears holding up under an ionized sky right now, which was your previous uh, yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. For folks that haven't seen this, uh, a wonderful read, enjoyed it immensely. And I haven't got your new book yet. I am about to order it because I can't wait to dive into it. But I have, uh, you know, I just watched your um, interview with the dark journalist. Great interview. Uh, Daniel's one of my favorites out there. And you guys yeah. are an amazing pair. Yeah. I always you know, have Alana, um, go ahead. You finish. always have fun with Daniel. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Love Daniel. Yeah, um, We're huge fans of dark journalists over here. Our whole community is really tapped in with them. So it's <laughs> great. great. Yeah. So, you know, back uh, a long time ago, I was seeing this whole transhumanism uh, thing unfold. Of course, I didn't have the terminology. We didn't have the same technologies back then. But when I was in my medical studies, you know, and I was like full on in the 70s and, and, and doing all that stuff. Um, what really hit me was that we were being taught just the exclusively the, the, uh, the physical side or the materialistic side of the scientific equation and not the other side. And so, you know, I had my experience there, did a little work in the conventional system, but then uh, very quickly dived into a lot of what we call, you know, metaphysical studies. I really became a, 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 a student, lifelong student of Rudolf Steiner and a lot of other folks, Walter Russell. And what I really love about your work is that, um, you know, you bring that to the table. You have a brilliant science-based mind where you can ferret through that kind of jargon. But at the same time, you bring that other stuff to the table. And it wasn't until I really started wrapping my mind around that sort of material that things could, were really making sense. And I could, you know, get a little glimpse of maybe where we were headed, you know, into the eighth sphere and all that kind of stuff. And then my experience, you know, when I was in practice, I just saw these vaccine damaged kids and uh, all the folks that were getting the lethal injections, you know, down the road, even if they didn't have an immediate reaction, they were having problems. And right from the start, I was telling people, look, they're mod they're, they're engineering your DNA because every, hmm. every um, shot had three things, you know, it had uh, synthesized, um, we'll call it retroviruses in order to splice things into your stuff. And then it also had foreign DNA, then it had poisons to shut down your body's normal mechanisms to reject that DNA. So what else do you call that? And that was way back at the start of the whole, you know, jab kind of uh, era. And, uh, you know, now, of course, it's on steroids with all the stuff that you talk about. And uh, that's really what we want to hear about today. So um, there's so much we could jump into. I have a, a whole bunch of questions for you, but maybe if you just want to start with your new book uh, or if you have uh, other things you'd like to talk about, um, you know, it's up to you, but I'd really like to get a, a, a glimpse and give our audience a, a little teaser as far as what your new book is about, because it's so timely. Right. No, the, the new book is front and center, not, not just because it's my book, but because um, it's the only book out that takes such a big, huge picture and breaks it down for people to understand that um, the, the weaponizing of the environment uh, was 
primary. And again, the title is Geoengineered Transhumanism, How the Environment Has Been Weaponized by Chemicals, Electromagnetics, and Nanotechnology for Synthetic Biology. And that fourth synthetic biology is tacked on at the end, but that doesn't mean, I mean, really how to read that title is all those big things that I talked about in the previous two books, uh, though I talk much more about nanotechnology in this book, very, very important. Uh, they all sort of funnel into synthetic biology. And that's, that's a, big, uh, a big bite for people uh, who think that they, they understand geoengineering as being solar radiation management. And David Keith, uh, you know, who lives in Bill Gates' back pocket. Uh, the, the idea of the, recently they had the Glasgow uh, Climate uh, Conference, which was a total joke of everybody arriving in uh, fuel gobbling uh, private jets and limos and uh, feeling special for a few days. Uh, but really, uh, that's all a lie. The whole thing is a lie. It, yes, there is climate change. Yes, there is global warming, but who's doing it? It's not us. It's really the military industrial intelligence complex. And that's really what Under an Eye and Ice Sky does, right? Goes through the whole thing, points out how this space fence has been built around the earth and on the earth and sandwiching us in between so that we are completely contained in it, in this wireless uh, smart grid, uh, whatever they wanna call it. And um, that, that leads straight to what is happening now on the um, synthetic biology level. Uh, they, they always, they being the professionals who have been programmed in grad schools, medical schools, uh, to present these things in a compartmentalized way as they themselves have been subject to if they're doing any amount of government research. And of course, government, uh, the government's the only one that uh, is throwing money along with corporations that it's in bed with in so-called public private partnerships, very, very cute term. Uh, so th this idea that uh, it's all sort of one big container that we live in now. And it's, uh, you know, when they gave us the cell phones, uh, that was the nuncio, the announcement uh, that we had moved into a wireless uh, cage. Uh, under the space fence, which is run, of course, by Lockheed Martin, uh, the number one so-called defense contractor, more like weapons maker, war maker, of, uh, of all the uh, military industrial intelligence complex that Eisenhower, on his way out of office, tried to warn us of, a little too late, Ike. Uh, and um, so now we're, we're completely subject to it. And it's not thanks to the nanotechnology aspect, which, yeah, people woke up to the uh, electromagnetic problem, you know, years after I had awakened to it. But 
you know, it's, it's hard in the public because there's so many distractions and they have mortgages and they have jobs and they have children and all this stuff. So they, they tend to not see things very quickly. In fact, I would say it generally takes the public, I'd say 30 to 50 years to wake up to things that uh, are, would be completely evident if everyone turned off their boob tube, got rid of it, got rid of the iPhone, and settle down to some real research. But uh, most people in America have been, their souls have been bought and paid for by uh, convenience, comfort, and entertainment. Uh, very tragic. Much better than the black cars pulling up at midnight that uh, the KGB and the Nazis had. Uh, so now in this book, I concentrate on nanotechnology because in a way I started out with nanotechnology, but I didn't really know that. I didn't really know, like in the first book, uh, the one we haven't mentioned, Chemtrails, Tarp, and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. That was 2014. And in there, I'm looking at Bernard Eastland's HARP pattern, the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Project, the ionospheric heater that the Air Force and Navy uh, really took all the way to controlling the ionosphere. I mean, talk about weaponizing the environment. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, to control the ionosphere, which they were able to achieve. So then they're pulling all the ions, you know, popping electrons off of atoms and pulling uh, uh, and, and ionizing them, positive and negative, and pulling them down into our atmosphere for a wireless uh, cage that they were busy building, uh, one that you couldn't really see. And that, that's really the public challenge, isn't it? That the, whether you're talking nanotechnology or electromagnetics, even chemicals, I mean, who's going to do that kind of microscope work? Who's going to do that kind of Petri dish solutions work to see what the heck they're breathing, what the heck is in the water, and wh what the heck is happening to the soil that food is being grown in? Um, and then, you know, Monsanto and all the other corporate cronies were able to sell America on GMO foods. I mean, excuse me genetically modified foods. I mean, didn't anybody hear that? No, they heard it, but they didn't understand what it was saying. That's Terminator seed. Farmers yeah. have to buy it every year because it's dead. And it's dead because it's synthetic. I mean, come on. Why are people um, eating GMO foods at all? Yeah. There are 26 countries around the world where it's a felony to enter the country with any GMO foods and a felony to attempt to grow any GMO foods. Wise countries, not so here in America. You know, Alana, um, you mentioned who's going to do that kind of exhaustive research, and you're correct, but there are a lot of us, just small little practitioners and clinicians on the planet. You know, I've been looking at blood under a microscope with thousands of people for over 40 years. And I may not be able to come up with the kind of verifiable research, you know, that you're speaking of, but I can see on a functional level what it's doing to the body. Yeah. I can also go out on my farm here and do certain kinds of soil testing that 
really looks at soil uh, more as electrical vectors rather than you know just a, a big chemical soup, and we can see the effect it has on the micronage in the soil itself. So um, you don't need to convince me that uh, you know this stuff isn't good for us because we have to do measures within medicine and farming to counter that in order to just have healthy crops and healthy bodies. And you know you're a rare item in America. I mean, most most people, I mean, a lot of people, I'm actually not sure they're people anymore, uh, but we don't have to cover that right now. Uh, but um, they, they, are, they are completely mind controlled. And when I did all that research on MKUltra, I spent 10 years on MKUltra reading tons, uh, meeting MKUltra survivors. I still attract them because um, they know that I've helped MKUltra survivors to write their books and basically not charge them uh, so that their story is out there. And um, my hope is that, you know, enough books get out there and end up in used bookstores and on park benches and in laundromats, uh, which I make a big deal out of in the Sub Rosa America series that I wrote where these, this troop of young people traveling across the desert of, of, on the mother road, Route 66 on their way to Dallas to see where Kennedy was shot uh, are stopping at every town they stop at, they immediately go to the laundromat to see if there's any important things to read because that's my idea of what we could do for this nation as we move into this Fahrenheit 451 period where there are all the books, if there are books, a lot of them are either old and being tossed in the garbage or they're uh, being changed or they're on the internet in you know these wonderful places where they really change them. So uh, you know we're in a Fahrenheit 451 situation yep. where we may have to start memorizing some of these books. <laughs> I don't know. I hope yeah. not. We uh, um, Kathy O'Brien, uh, who's the author of Trans Nation, is going to be a guest here with us in a, in a few weeks, and um, so that's going to be a good one. And and she'll speak from experience what you're alluding to there and if you have any you that? oh <laughs> wow what is that it's a fire alarm but i'm gonna see if it's real and i what well, I, I should know that as a volunteer firefighter but i was just kind of surprised to to see that going on right now i don't see any smoke or anything oh no i never see smoke but i'm sorry you to check that out real quick it happened now but if you have to check it out, go for it. Mike and I will ramble until you get back. I'm going to wait to see if I have to check it out. Okay. Uh, the uh, Archons are at it again. <laughs> um, hey, Bear, uh, Kathy O'Brien's going to be fantastic. Uh, I cannot wait for that. I've followed her work forever. Yeah. And I'm very excited about that because <clears throat> I think it's time that people wake up that there is this trauma trauma-based control, mind control yeah. over most society. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to mute you, Ilana. Uh, and uh, it's time to grow up and realize that um, a lot of society is under mind control and it's trauma-based from a very young age. We talked about it going all the way to birth, right? Like how the birthing process works for most people. The second you, even before that, while you're in the womb, how you're being traumatized. And um, 
I think it's an important, well, very important topic. Yeah. Living on this planet, you know, God bless our parents. They did the best they could, just like I did the best I could with my folks, but, or with my kids, but you know, we're still products of the brainwashing and it goes back centuries. And, um, you know, when children are in the womb, they are feeling, uh, you know, the fears and, and, uh, the belief systems and, and just all the toxicity that mom has, uh, you know, even the best of us have all that stuff. It was reverberating through the embryo. And, uh, you know, just so from day one, they come in with that, uh, you know, which you could call original sin, you know, not the yeah. way the Catholics talk about it, but it really is. So until we have a planet of enlightened beings, which I believe we're in process of, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to, or let's just say more difficult to extract the consciousness out of newborns so they aren't hypnotized into the matrix anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking before the show, the idea of mindset and how important it is more than ever to do the work on your own internal mindset um, as we come to these understandings, because I know a lot of people that are following us are waking up. We get this message a lot like, oh, my God, I'm going to Alpha Vedic University right now and I'm learning so much. But also um, there's I feel overwhelmed. There's just too much to learn. And um, it's also a lot of, um, you know, uh, with the awakening, I realize just how daunting everything is. And that's why I think it's so empowering to do the internal work, because then you realize you're the master of your own reality. Uh, it's all about the mindset. It's all about how you create the reality with how you manifest it, the prosperity and then uh, have fun with it. So, um, yeah, and it doesn't have to be yeah. mental at all. Just do what you uh, tell our audience to do at the end of every episode, which is just take your shoes off, get outside and you don't have to know anything other than just unplugging and doing that. Are, are we OK? Are we safe, Alana? Alana, I, I muted you. Sorry, because of the the uh, alarm. So. I, uh, you'll have to unmute yourself. It's probably, uh, no, it's not a fire. Uh, it just, you know, it's gone off. So now the fire engine will have to come and there'll be a, you know, Oh, this is, uh, there is no fire. Uh, so this will be some great real life drama this. here. You don't want to listen to this. You guys can go ahead and chat. No, no, we're fine. Uh, I don't mind. I don't think Mike minds if, if you're okay with it. I'm okay with it. I mean, as I, I'm a volunteer firefighter, so I'm used to the sounds. Um, so that's like a centralized system that runs through the actual EM, uh, emergency broadcast or the emergency systems there in your town. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll come out and check. This is a, a low income uh, aging population. Um, uh, uh, mentally challenged hospital that I live in. No, it's not a hospital, but it, for me, it's a hospital because you never know when you go out of your apartment, you never know what you're going to encounter. And this is my first time of living in a federal housing, like a HUD kind of place, because I'm, I'm very interested in it. And the rent is low, but, uh, oh, there, see? Uh, but it's, it's, re it's really, it's, it's, I can't say it's the first time, but there was a time years ago when I was 18, I'd been, I graduated high school very young. So my mother stuck me in a Catholic 
uh, college for a year where the nuns could watch me. We weren't Catholic, but uh, you know, it was, it was fantastic. I was so, I loved it there. Um, but uh, then I worked to get into, and then began to go sporadically to college. It took me 10 years to get my BA because remember the sixties, there were lots of exciting things going on and it certainly wasn't college. Uh, so um, <laughs> I, I was living around poor people in Detroit uh, at that time. I was working as a secretary. Now, now here come the secrets. I was working as a secretary in the day and a go-go dancer on weekends. Ooh. <laughs> and I was making a pile of money, a lot of money. My I wife worked. did the same thing in the 60s. It was, <laughs> it was back, when you, back when you wore a, a, a lot of clothes. Uh, it wasn't like it is now with lap dancing and all that weird no. kinky stuff. No, it was pretty clean. Uh, I think the only thing naked on me was my face and my hands. Otherwise, I was in leotards and, and dancing and... Um, with a black band at this wonderful place uh, in Detroit that was near a racetrack. So there was a lot of money there and a lot of, a lot of movement. I mean, it was very exciting for me uh, to have this double life. And that, that was when I was living around the poor. And I mean poor, little kids going to school with, uh, with um, twine, wrapped around newspapers for shoes in the wow. very, very cold Detroit winters and uh, prostitutes in my building. And um, I remember the day I found an old man across the street propped up against uh, some fencing. It was super cold and I knew he had to be dead and he was. And, uh, you know, to call and get the police to come and then uh, and then the aid car and whatever else, and to really experience the, the loneliness of this death. You know, there were just, I just had such rich experiences. Uh, and and now, here it's, it's not nearly as rich because I'm in my apartment all the time writing and researching, but, and I don't have anything really in common with the people who live here, but, um, but I, I, I do brush shoulders with many of them and sort of pick up little bits of gossip and and I'm sure I'm in a totally vaccinated building uh, and um, and all of them are totally glued to the TV at night uh, getting their daily dose of programming in fact their, their TV is probably on all the time I don't know uh, but it's been it's been good I, I probably won't stay here forever I've been here mm -hmm. two years and I sold my house paid all my kids debts all my debts and you know basically gave them the money and and then i live very spartan you might call uh now you uh, go ahead you were second generation in this country i you know i i was yes. as well. i grew up with broken english and and i've heard you tell the story you're half slavic yes. and and uh, scottish yeah. i mean and, uh, and i think there's some good attributes you get from growing up with when you have you know your parents from the old country well, and I, um, it wasn't both my parents, just my mother. My, mm -hmm. my father mm -hmm. was Navy intelligence, a uh, uh, scientist for Navy intelligence. I found out when I was 60 and tried to get a Navy brat in our auto insurance that he was, uh, yeah, that he was owned by the 
Navy intelligence his whole life. And that, that accounted for some of the things that um, I had never understood. I was not raised with my father. He was um, diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic when I was three. And I'm sure that it was a wrong diagnosis. I'm sure he was a multiple personality. He was an MPD, or as they call it now, a DID, dissociative identity disorder. And that I, I have the Navy to thank for that, for this, this guy. Um, and and his, his very sick, uh, uh, satanic ritual abuse family. So why am I into this? You know, I mean, this is what I found out at 60. It explains so much of why I was obsessed with finding out the underbelly of America and what happened to this country when we brought the Nazis over under Operation Paperclip and, and you know, and what World War II was really about. And I mean, and, the, and all the secret societies. It, it's, it's totally the reason on a personal level of why I have pursued all of this. And, and I think it's, it's well worth it to, real, to announce to people that, you know, a lot of people have a lot of shame about their lives and that this, that, and the other with their family, their parents. Uh, really, no one should have any shame because this is, this is sort of your, what a friend of mine used to call your earth kit. Your earth kit may have a lot of dark stuff in it, and that may be exactly what you need to fulfill your destiny and why you came here in the first place. But if you don't unpack it and you don't have that raw honesty and self-honesty to really look it in the face and say, oh my God, I had, you know, all of those family secrets. That's what, you know, I get it. I get it in spades. And, and that it really, um, it, it really helped to uh, understand that. That was that half. But my mother and I, the Romanian mother, we went, we left my father and went to live with her parents in the Eastern European Slavic neighborhood, five square blocks of a very poor, but ethnically rich Eastern Europeans. I mean, I, I still, if I listen to gypsy music or Romanian music or anything, I just, I just start weeping. I mean, I was so happy there. It was, it was before I hit America and America was a huge shock. And I don't know that I've ever quite gotten over it. Uh, probably not, uh, but it was so commercial. And it was even, even in the fifties, you could see the direction we were going in. Um, but, I, that hearing five languages a day on the minimum and being the, you know, speaking Romanian before English and then, uh, you know, being able to read early so I could read the letters for my, the, for my grandmother, all that dancing at the Romanian hall, going to the wakes of the people dying and hearing people weep and talk. And, you know, it was all so intimate, it was so intimate. That's what's lacking in America. You know, if I had to say and one thing. Some of your earlier writings, uh, like Sub Rosa, uh, can you maybe use your life experience to segue into what prompted you into those uh, works earlier? And, uh, and of course, they're just, uh, I look at them as a continuous thread with your latest work here, but um, I, I love thread. some of your original work. Yeah, and it is a continuous thread. If you, if mm -hmm. you, you know, with a, with a writer, 
you may end up trying to piece together how they did this, that, or the other. But to me, um, what happened to America was so important to write in Sub Rosa America. Uh, and, and as you've probably heard me say somewhere, um, I literally could not write fast enough. I mean, I, um, yeah, it's 1300 pages over four books. Uh, I never had writer's block. I don't know what people are talking about with writer's block. I've never had it, but, um, but the, uh, the, the story and, and, uh, and my files with data, just sheer data on all sorts of stuff. I would just, I would just go back and forth between the story and the data. And that's why some people don't like that I have so much data in the books, but these are history books. This is, these belong next to Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States of America. So um, that, that's, uh, there, and, and as I got toward the end of the book, I didn't know that I had a certain way of, uh, that I'd already decided that the only choice we had in America was to just start over, just start over from the, destruction that would come because of the Freemasons and other secret societies, such as the Satanist, Satanism being a religion that they have decided upon for America. And, and I feel we're in the throes of that now. Um, we can't go back, we won't go back. And, and I, I don't know if you noticed there, but that uh, what was the year I chose to have this great flashback of the one of the main characters who's getting old and is going to meet whoever's left from the 60s uh, now that America's collapsing uh, along with much of the world. Um, it's 2019. How, how did I pick that date? I oh, had wow. a dream. Mm -hmm. I had a dream in mm -hmm. which these at least four story high numbers, 2019, were on fire in front of me, on fire. And I woke up from that dream and went, yeah, that's, that's the year I need to start in. That's when it's coming down. I mean, it was just sheer knowledge. That was in 1993, maybe, that I had that thought and that dream. So, um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the looking at this amazing generation of Renaissance people is what I think of the 60s generation as. Not, not everybody, but the vanguard, oh yeah. Oh yeah, very Renaissance people, multiple uh, abilities and, and beauty and you know, all sorts of stuff. So um, we were the largest generation in history and, um, and we came to do a job. I remember this young woman at Waldorf uh, teacher training saying to me one day, yeah, she said, um, I had a vision that the 60s generation were in the spiritual world during World War II. And they were looking down and watching what happened, the bloodbath that was World War II. And that all of them girded up their loins and said, we're going in. And they all began to incarnate as one generation. I have never forgotten. I thought she was just brilliant because, you know, it was such a brotherhood. People can't understand that now, uh, you know. Uh, and uh, and that, that understanding that we, 
we came to work and a lot of us got lost. We got lost in drugs. We got lost in mayhem from COINTELPRO and the CIA being domestic. Um, we just got lost. And, and then some of us went to Wall Street like Jerry Rubin and, and Abby and, you know, and all these people kind of went and now, now it's time to grow up. Now, now we're gonna become <laughs> capitalists, um, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but a lot of us, well, there you are. We're still, we're still cooking, <laughs> we're still going. And, and, and it is- Well, uh, yeah. Go ahead. A lot of our generation took the next drug, which was money. You know, I had a great exchange uh, with John McAfee when we interviewed him. And, and since he's a contemporary, I said, John, what, what's happened to our generation, you know? And he just said, yeah, what's, what's going on? You know, how did, we were all about all these great ideals and, and now, you know, have we forgotten? And, you know, uh, my wife and myself have um, one very distinct memory uh, before coming in and where we, you know, looked at each other and said, don't forget. And that's stuck oh. with us our whole 45 For each years other? of marriage. Oh don't yeah. Forget that we know each other before you came in and and that we're in here to do a job and we're here and, to do uh, it. yes yes and we have a purpose yeah yeah and that and that's something too that uh, i don't talk about much because people can't really understand it that you you kind of know some of us know from the beginning not all of us but some of us know and when i was five i remember people would say and what do you want to be when you grow up and I would say, I want to be a writer and a teacher. I mean, it's like, yeah. And then they'd say, but don't you want to get married? And I'd say, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I no desire to marry. Uh, but I, uh, I, I didn't know how that would happen. You see, it wasn't like you're just plugging in like some aut automaton. You're going to have to find your way to what you came to do. And I was burdened by some pretty heavy family karma that I had to deal with, my father being uh, probably the, the centerpiece of that for me. Uh, and so, you know, for years I had to really uh, find my way. And that's how life is. I mean, I think of some of these kids who, young people who are suiciding. Suiciding, what are you doing? You don't wanna suicide. You want to find your way through this morass that you have been born, you, you were born to be here. This is not an accident. And that, that whole materialistic mindset that, you know, oh, it should be this or it should be that. Well, that's an illusion that uh, you, you, you're gonna have to find out what it is and yes, there's blood, sweat, and tears and suffering in that. Uh, I don't think you can get through an earth life without suffering. I think it's just part of being here, of, um, of dropping illusions as the Buddhists and the Hindus have tried to tell us for thousands of years. And, and in hindsight, some of those um, worst episodes in our life, I look back at with great fondness. I wouldn't want to go through it again. But it also, you know, was worth the experience, uh, no matter how unpleasant. Well, you, it strengthened you and mm -hmm. you have gratitude 
one that you survived, <laughs> but yeah. also that um, you learned a tremendous amount through that suffering uh, and therefore you have compassion for others. But many people now have bought the, um, have drunk the Kool-Aid of materialism, which is that uh, life should be uh, one big happy event and, um, and that you, know, you do whatever you need to do to get there. Uh, so you don't go through things anymore or you try not to, or you take drugs so that you can feel high and feel uh, a false comfort. Um, I, I, I've never uh, fallen for any of that. Uh, there were certainly a lot of drugs in the 60s and I took LSD three times, had amazing experiences, uh, decided after that, uh, that's enough because the door is open. I'm a spiritual being living in a material world and a material body. I have a lot of work to do. Uh, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And I, I stopped the marijuana. I, I hardly smoked it because my problem was, it's an unusual problem, but it was a problem, was that with the psychedelic drugs, I would go so far uh, into it that I would lose weight while on it. And sometimes a lot of weight. Uh, I remember taking mushrooms one of the two times I took it ending up far above the planet, walking with very wise beings. I don't know who they were, but there, we, and they were pointing out, and this was Egypt, this is that period, this is when blah, blah, blah. And then over here we have, you know, and it was like a, a sightseeing tour. And when I came out of it, like three hours later, said the, my friend who was with me, um, you know, and then I weighed myself, I'd lost 11 pounds. Now that gets dangerous. And then the marijuana problem was that as soon as I'd get high, I'd start hearing people's thoughts in the room. I could just look at somebody and go right in their head and hear what they're thinking. And I thought, well, that's not good. That's an invasion of privacy. And I didn't know how to turn it off other than not to get high. So that's kind of my, my drug history. But remember my Romanian grandmother was a Roma she, had, she was clairvoyant. She had extraordinary skills of seeing the future. And she is the one who took, she named me, my real name is Ilana, uh, American Ilana. And, um, and she trained me to, uh, with whatever skills she had, she could not read, uh, but she, uh, she had tremendous skills uh, in that way. But I don't, I'm not like that. Uh, I, I'm a storyteller. I have great skill in writing. I have great skill in speaking. Um, I, you know, I have very well aspected Mercury is what someone who does astrology would notice. I think I have five planets in, with Mercury, but, or, or I have Mercury in the 10th house and five planets are there or something like that. I don't uh, pay attention to it. But um, the, uh, the ability to um, I, I just realized that I didn't need those psychedelics. I didn't need all that. Uh, I already had the consciousness. I just needed to figure out how to live that consciousness in a material world full of obstacles and pitfalls. And that's yeah, what I, I set myself to do it. I think I was, yeah, I was 21 
And then I was 28 when I did the mushroom thing. And then since then I've done nothing, not even an aspirin. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I just used Chinese medicine because I studied that for several years, thought I was going to be a Chinese medicine doctor, was on my way to China when I ended up in Hawaii waiting for a ship to pick me up. And then my whole life changed and I began to move in another direction. Uh, it was, you know, it's how life is. And we, we need to have yeah. faith in that and not, not think because something hasn't happened or these times are hard or I lost my job or, or whatever it is that uh, this is just the, this is your drama. This is, this is what you get to live and figure out. And that is the exciting thing about being on the earth because you can only find certain things out here. You can't find them out in the spiritual world. So don't think you're gonna take care of that later. It doesn't happen that way. Uh, and, uh, so, and I, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna ask you, is, is uh, part of our journey here just maybe becoming more facile at um, transiting between the realms? Uh, you know, drugs can certainly open some doors and windows, but perhaps, you know, uh, we have to learn to do it consciously, you know, when we're not under the influence. And also, this brings uh, maybe a good segue into your new book. And, and I loved your discussion with Daniel on The Dark Journalist when you were talking about um, perhaps uh, they're fiddling with our ultimate transition, you know, uh, when we make the journey at the end of a lifetime. And I have some very definite thoughts about that based on some experience. Uh, but, you know, if we could use that maybe to talk more about your new book and maybe what they're up to on these other realms and what the end game might be. Yeah, yeah, we can get and back to that. I have an amendment on that, too. We talk about the dangers of materialism. Well, what about now we're looking at virtual materialism? So at least with the old materialism, we were grounded in the materialism of stuff, right? Of like physical stuff. Now we're talking about kids on TikTok all day on phones and on virtual um in, in a virtual materialistic reality which is the next level which is kind of tying into what bear was saying so i'd love to well, yeah i think it's a great transfer into that it's zuckerberg's new meta platform right exactly exactly well and meta in hebrew means dead i, I love that yeah. yeah but um yeah i do want to say something and then we go we'll mm -hmm. go to these because they're connected okay um, mm -hmm. the problem with and, and I'm gonna go straight up against my 60s generation brothers and sisters. The problem with drugs, yeah, it'll get you to open certain doors that maybe you would not have otherwise opened. That's true. But if you open a door and then you keep opening it and opening it and opening it and opening it because you're attached to the feeling of being free of this body and being in a, on another plane, you're actually poking big holes in your etheric body. And it's a bad idea. You know, at our age, there, I mean, I would love to have experienced ayahuasca. Uh, I hear about it, uh, but the twin serpents, I'd love to see those guys. But uh, it, it's, it ain't going to happen because I, I know what period of life I'm in now. And it would be absolutely very dangerous for me. So, uh, no, I won't do that. And um, we, we need to really understand that sometimes just uh, tightening up the uh, relationship with the body so that we have this great immune system 
uh, and, and it's able to do its task. Uh, and certainly uh, getting these jabs is not going to help with that. Uh, so there are, there's, if you don't know that you're up against a certain enemy uh, that is operant now, if you don't know that, or you, you have some silly idea that there is no evil, um, that then you've got the wrong context going in your life to really take things seriously. And for you, it's just a, a trip, uh, maybe a walk in the park. Uh, among many walks in the park. And you're not using to its full extent this amazing drama unfolding now. You're, 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 you're bypassing it. And, and this is where you can, you can develop tremendously as a soul by having to make decisions and having to really look at things and, and, and look deeply into things by researching and listening to various sides, et cetera. So very important. This is not the walk in the park drug trip here that we've got going. Oh, yeah, we want to appreciate the duality versus constant seeking unity, right? That whole new age thing that yeah. kind of co-opted it. That's why I love the Christ consciousness, the Steiner, the Western mysticism. It's like yeah. facing the darkness, doing the work. Right. And that's what yes. we're here to do. Yeah. Well, and that you, you got me right there, Mike. That's it. Uh, I, I completely am so grateful that I found Rudolf Steiner because I didn't even know there were Western mysteries. I thought they were all Eastern. You know, you hear about the, the Krishna and, you know, and all, I mean, I, I, in the 60s, you, you may remember bear that we were surrounded by gurus uh, all looking for you know more people to uh gobble up through their uh phone number their uh their astral phone number and then they <laughs> then they suck your energy straight out of you i i i totally experienced that well the one time uh one time that's all it took for me was like oh no no i'm not going there i think um, uh, i think of george harrison and the beatles right like they're just yes yeah they were sucked dry they were, but that was after Paul was killed. You see, that was after they were all chopped. We've up. done a whole ser whole thing on that, and I'm a huge fan of the Paul is dead stuff. So I'm oh, glad he, you brought that up. He is dead. Yeah, I yeah. can I can confirm that. <laughs> have you but read anyway, Have uh, you read the memoirs of Billy Shears by chance? No. Oh, I highly recommend it. So pretty anyways, good, huh? Yeah. Who has time to read when I'm writing? I know. I know. Anyways, <laughs> there's go. all sorts of stuff I haven't read, but um. Okay, so that, that, that's that. Now we go back to the book and my conversation with Daniel, uh, where we got to the point of, we're talking about transhumanism, as I recall, and, and we can just start there. This, this, uh, this latest uh, gambit that we're suffering under now of the global elites uh, has to do with turning real human beings into uh, transhumans, uh, and, and you know there are many names for that, hybrids, etc. Um, and and it it's a, it's a real assault. It's a real assault. And and it's uh, to me, I don't assume. Oh, that new age thing. It'll all turn out all right, Elon. I don't know why you're so upset. You know, no, no. I'm sorry. I can't go there. I I know. We could lose something here valid for future human beings. So uh, I'm on duty. This is my watch. 
I have plenty of skills on the spiritual level as well as intellectual. And, um, and uh, I have to give it everything I have. That's it. That's the bottom line. It's not a matter of, uh, well, Ilana, why don't you just, you could have a personal life. You could take a vacation. I'm like, what is a vacation? I've never understood that term. Uh, do I take vacations? Well, maybe for five minutes here and there I do. But otherwise, um, my time on earth is extremely valuable. I'm not going to be here forever. Uh, How about the not- concept of retirement where you've got entire generations of geriatrics one. that are working their whole life for <laughs> retirement? And then, yeah, and, and and then, tr- then what do you do? And truthfully, I've never had a job that would give me a retirement or, or anything <laughs> like that or, or health insurance. You know, all these things have been sort of like uh, not really at all essential to what I'm doing here. And um, so, all right. Regarding the transhumanism, let's look at the ways they're doing this, because the virtual reality is definitely one of them, the, the so-called digital twin uh, and, uh, and the SWS program, the sentient world simulation. These are, I talk about this in this book, this latest book. Oh, yes, I do. Uh, and um, these are about bringing the entire experience of being human into the internet. And, um, or, or you could say it the other way, that the internet is inside us, however you wanna say it. But that the internet is the smart grid, is the space fence lockdown, no question about it. And so the preparation for this now is moving forward. I mean, let's go back to Morgellons when Clifford Carnicum in fact, I have a, a, a call with him uh, tonight uh, to talk about writing his story of what happened to him in finding the Margellans, uh, breaking into the polymer shell it was in, the filament, finding these organs, discovering the cross-domain bacteria uh, and what it does, and, uh, and then trying to patent it and coming straight up against intelligence agencies. Okay, so we want to write that story. Uh, but tell basically that story. And, uh, you know, and Clifford's in charge, not me. I would probably tell as much as possible, but, you know, he's, he's more conservative than I am, which is good. So um, the, they're approaching through the inoculation now to put the software in our bodies for what has been created with Morgellons having been maybe the first volley that occurred back in the 90s. Maybe it was back to the 80s. That I don't, I can't confirm, but I know it was in the 90s. And so um, the Morgellons, as we know, the fibers get in there and they're very sensitive to electromagnetism they, they move, that's how you know, they, they're very mobile when they're around uh, an electromagnetic source. Uh, they also form a lattice work in the body. Uh, once the filament, the, the, the black filament breaks open and the organs come out, then they get busy doing their programming, which has to do with creating a neural network in the body. But now we have the graphene oxide 
in the hydrogel with the quantum dots. And uh, this is sort of the next phase of what Morgellons was. And I go into this in the book pretty thoroughly. Um, Morgellons was nanotech. All of these other things I've just named, they're all nanotech. So uh, nanotechnology has been probably uh, the royal flush hand that uh, has occurred to allow this to move to the next phase. Because uh, on a nano scale, the only way you can really see nanos uh, is uh, because they're one billionth of a meter. So you're not gonna see individual nanos. Uh, you can see them swarm. Now, remember there is nano, there are nanoparticles in space uh, and um, like um, dusty plasma or various things. They're natural. Nanoparticles are natural. And they're in the earth. They're, they're just tiny. They're just tiny stuff. All minerals, most of them. But, uh, but nanotechnology is actually where you're building nanos uh, with atoms. You're laying atoms next to each other. So, you know, five atoms, 100 atoms, 5,000 atoms, whatever. And um, the original idea that Eric Drexler had when he discovered these uh, back in the 70s is uh, at MIT, I believe, uh, was that he, he foresaw that these would, would lessen our workload, that we could all just really have a lot of leisure time to study and, and become better human beings. And, you know, a very idealistic way of looking at it. Uh, uh, while the nanotech was building our buildings and our jets and, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and so the thing that kept him from pursuing it with full gusto at the beginning anyway, was that um, he knew if it got in the wrong hands that nanotechnology could actually basically um, eat everything natural up and we would become a total wasteland, rather like, gee, occurs to me, rather like Saturn. Uh, and because um, there is a story, and I do believe it, that Saturn, the planet Saturn was at one time vital and, and viable and was in relationship with the earth. And uh, you know that's what the Saturnalian Brotherhood is all about. And the Saturnalian Brotherhood, I discussed that in the Under an Eye and Eye Sky book, that is at NASA. There is a full-scale Saturnalian Brotherhood at NASA. Uh, and, you know, it's a secret society. And they have, they have plans. Uh, and, um, you know, as they follow Kardashev's, uh, the Soviet astronomer Kardashev's model of a civilization, which I've referred to endlessly, uh, first step, full spectrum domin dominance over planet Earth, second step, full spectrum dominance over uh, our sun's processes, third uh, step, full spectrum dominance over the galaxy. As they follow this little map here of a great civilization, um, this fits perfectly with uh, Saturn and, um, and Saturn's rings. They're producing a ring now around the Earth 
made of what? Made of metals, nanometals. Uh, that's one reason they're dropping a lot in the stratosphere is as it filters into the centrifugal force and begins to drop, it will collect around uh, the uh, equator. And, um, and this has to do with their communications, right? To control the communications of Earth is to control the, um, the nanotechnology-based uh, electromagnetic 5G, 6G, 7G, all the way up to whatever, 11G, 12G, it, it, it won't end. So now they're producing a human being who can survive in an environment like that. And that has to be a machine human being, uh, which is not a human being at all. So, uh, so that's where we are in the long secret space program plan is how I, I choose to um, contextualize this big picture uh, knowing what I do, you know, I mean, the fact that I have studied secret societies for years, I mean, decades, three, three decades, maybe really assiduously, uh, that really helps me in writing a book like this, because I know how these guys think. I've been tracking them for years. And, uh, and, and Rudolf Steiner has written about them and um, uh, very much written about them. And uh, so the virtual twinning has to do with the nanotech that's already in us. It's how I see it, all right? So we breathe in trillions and trillions of nanosensors, nanotechno various nanotechnologies, whenever we go and well, well, wherever we are in the atmosphere. I mean, the atmosphere is one big bubble. We're breathing in trillions and trillions of these things. Some of them might go be discharged through our um, our feces and our urine and our sweat, uh, saliva, whatever. But no, most of it lodges in the tissues and especially those that have uh, microprocessors in them, computers in them, tiny, tiny computers. And they are in touch with their masters and their masters are on laptops uh, and looking at their monitors and they're running the show from there. We are all plugged in now, all of us not just the vaccinated, getting a lot of people who say, well, you know, is, it, is our condition as bad as the vaccinated? Well, it's a different, it's a different approach. And uh, at this point, it looks to me like, yeah, they want as many vaccinated people as possible. Uh, so, so they're pushing everything. So yeah. aside from the nanotechnologies, uh, where do you see the um, genetic modification playing in to, to ping on all that? Well, that, that's the changing the actual human being, altering the genetics of the human being so that there is no more human being. They hate humanity. That's my definition of evil, is anything that is anti-human. And that may sound like, you know, I think the world revolves around a human being. Well, in a way it does, this world does, because as Rudolf Steiner says, the human being is the religion of the gods. And why? Because we are the first species to incarnate into material bodies and attempt to develop free will in a material world, which is not easy, as you can see. I mean, everything attests to it. Uh, you know, all the criminality and 
and and and the, all the people taken advantage of and being killed in nursing homes and hospitals now and i mean obviously it looks like humanity has gone on the wrong trail but the, that's only part of the humanity that we know not all humanity this this new age thing of blaming hum or and ecology which of course the ecological movement has been totally taken over and co-opted uh, of blaming the human being for everything and the planet would be better off without us that's nonsense absolute nonsense we and the planet earth are like this without us there is no planet earth without planet earth there is no us that's how merged we are and we love our planet and uh, so this, this uh, virtualizing is the way around that. They can, they can destroy our immune system, which is what they've been doing for years. This is not the first assault on the immune system. <laughs> I go through that in the book thoroughly. They have been after our immune system for decades. And the immune system, what is that? Well, I, I read from a a Steiner person uh, who teaches at the Portland Waldorf High School, he wrote a lovely essay that uh, I'm gonna put in a magazine uh, that the immune system is actually run by the higher self, by the, the higher self, that it is actually a spiritual thing. It's actually, it's, it's like, it's like, yes, it has to do with physical because what we eat certainly affects our immune system or what we don't eat, however you want to look at how we eat, how we take care of ourselves. But the fact that the immune system is the enemy of these Satanists who are now in charge of this program and all the politicos that are, uh, I'm not even sure they're human anymore. Certainly the guy uh, that people think is running this country is does not appear to be human. Um, so, oh, and let's stop there for a moment. Time out. What is human? This is going to make people ask, really, that's one of the beauty, beautiful things that's happening with this is at least a lot of people are going to ask, well, then what is a human? Is it just somebody with a head and a torso and a couple of arms and legs? No, no, that, that's not necessarily a human being because we have this spiritual side, like you were saying earlier about science, the materialistic science, pushing out the spirit so that it could take up more of what we think of as life. Uh, that's, that's where the Western science went really wrong. And, and you know, I document some of that, particularly the 1920s uh, uh, decision to put the term ether out of scientific language. That was a huge error that many poor materialistically minded youthful doctors and scientists have unfortunately bought and therefore, uh, of course, are getting everything else wrong. If you take out the very principle of life on this planet, which is ether, uh, and uh, you, you forbid it from science, the uh, halls of science, you know, the, what can you expect? So, um, so the, the virtual is a way of making an Ilana over here. I always put it on the right side. I don't know why. I put it on the left, maybe. Uh, and my virtual self will then, the idea being, 
run me because I'll have the software in me through the jab, right? That's, that's sort of the plan. And then um, once the virtual self is running the, the material self, then uh, the uh, internet will all start having consciousness. There will be no self-consciousness left. We will not be able to think of ourselves or, or have any conversation with ourselves. We will then be plugged into the clouds, the cloud, and, uh, and it, will, it will be happening through my virtual self. Uh, and then um, people can be killed that way, they can be eliminated, they can be made happy and they own nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, however you want to, to spell it out, that's the idea. And then, um, then once the virtual self takes over, then we're all living in the eighth sphere. And that's where the concept of the eighth sphere comes in that Daniel and I were discussing. And the eighth sphere is not just from Steiner, it's, it's an occult concept, uh, well known among occultists. And it is basically um, because we are spirit living in matter, what they want to do is not good enough to just control the matter like normal slavery, like the, the camps in World War II. That, that's, not, that's not enough. No, they want the spirit. They want to control the human soul and therefore the human spirit, which the difference between those two is the human soul is your individual part that you are responsible for. And the human spirit is something larger and more collective. It is our what Steiner calls the 10th hierarchy. We are an actual hierarchy as the angels are a hierarchy, as the archangels are a hierarchy, as the archai are a hierarchy, as the cherubims are a hierarchy. There are nine, just as the, um, the Aztecs and the Toltecs and the Mayans tried to tell us, there are nine levels above us and nine levels below us in the earth in sub, what Steiner calls subnature. So now, in my opinion, and not just my opinion, but there are many people who feel this, the second coming of the Christ began back in 1932. And now Christ is very far into those nine levels of redeeming each level, each level in the true Christian impulse. And then uh, that's why things have gotten so evil and why things, why evil is not even, <laughs> isn't even pretending anymore to be anything other than what it is. I mean, there's, and if, I mean, I, I if, don't even if, have to research anymore to look at evil. I mean, I can <laughs> just look and see what's going on. And it's all, it's all revealed. This is revelation of the method. It's right here. Yeah, and if they indeed have uh, succeeded in capturing the astral body so that it cannot go into realms of light between yeah. incarnations, then it's going to interfere with the whole reincarnation evolutionary process. Which is very serious, very serious, because how else do you evolve as a soul spirit entity if you can't die and spend time in the spiritual world and get everything sorted out and decide on your intent for the next life and then come back in. Instead, in the eighth sphere, they're holding souls, soul 
I don't know, um, maybe astral bodies, holding them there, paralyzing them, freezing them there, and then bringing in with their rights uh, others that they want to incarnate, maybe a Stalin, maybe a Hitler, maybe, uh, you know, whoever. Uh, so, so yes, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I have some new information about that. I am helping an MK Ultra survivor right now, a male, which is very rare to have males uh, tell their story. I don't know if they're just better at biting the bullet and swallowing their pain and, and their story or what, but they're very rare. So in his story, he, he, is, he is being put to sleep into a sleep paralysis every night and his astral body is being removed electromagnetically and taken somewhere else. I don't know if it's a physical plane or an astral plane or what it is, but it is being used for sex shows that people are paying big money to watch on their monitors. And the people that are the partners in the sex shows that is their astral bodies. So there are astral shows going on. And so that years ago, I read the, uh, a paper by some psycho, psych, psychiatrist and a doctor of, a, um, of something going on at Alice Springs in, in the American underground base there. Very important base. Uh, a lot of mind control happens at Alice Springs. And this woman had been controlled by these people since MKUltra. She, she'd never not been in the program. And they would knock her out, very similar to this fellow's story. And then they would take her astral body thousands of miles to an American underground facility and do things to that, that body and then send it back. And the marks, would, while they were working on the astral body, marks would appear on her physical body that the doctors were watching. And this is why I wanna put my little theory in here, which someday may be important, may not, I may be wrong. But I believe this, just as our planet has a plasma body, I believe that this may not be the astral body, but may be what uh, the, wonderful Cypriot Christian mystic Daskalos, uh, Syrianus Ateshlis, I think his name was, said was he would travel in, which was his etheric double. And now I'm getting very esoteric here, so I apologize. But the etheric double might be made of plasma and we may have our own plasma body. Now I have had experiences in my plasma body, I know it was not my astral, it was my plasma body. How do I know that? Well, it's more of a feeling thing, isn't it, for me? I'm not a true occultist or esotericist. I, I know some things, I have experiences, and then I draw the conclusions that seem right to me. So it is possible that what they're moving from this fellow for the astral shows is really his plasma body. And uh, where is his astral meanwhile? Well, his astral would be suspended out of his body because that's what sleep does for you. 
it gets your astral body out of your body in, when you're in REM sleep. And, uh, and, and then you have some relief in the physical body and the etheric body inside the physical body can then repair the damages of the day. And, and that's why when you're targeted, uh, you are, the first thing they take from you is your sleep. That's number one, mm -hmm. sleep deprivation. Yep. If you can't get that astral out of the body, you begin to exhaust the immune system. And, and it's very exhausting for the soul as well, because the immune system is a spiritual uh, process. I, I now realize, I mean, I always kind of knew it because I would even say things like, oh yeah, well the astral, uh, let's see, the uh, immune system is the physical counterpart of your consciousness, uh, of your spiritual part. But I, I never was comfortable with that. And now I see why because the, the immune system actually is a spiritual component connected to our consciousness, i.e. our higher self, or uh, Steiner calls it the I, like I or ich in German. Uh, that, that's the, uh, the higher self. And the higher self does not truly incarnate in us. Uh, it, it gets closer and closer and more dense, more into density, but basically it's, it's up here somewhere, you know, it's almost sort of like in it's in a, in another realm or it's in another, uh, I've heard it called, um, time space and so where we're in space time and that the DNA is an antenna that allows us to connect to our higher self, which then affects our immune system and everything. So if they can tweak that DNA to disconnect that connection to our higher self, that might be a way that they're creating this this um this prison have you heard of the pine gap experiments done in the 80s and i believe they were trying to control astral projection but you just got my mind thinking that maybe that is a plasma body or something that they're actually well, controlling yeah it is something that we need to look at the plasma mm -hmm. body because i've had uh, one experience where i experienced an entity one of uh, Trevor Constable's entities would be how I looked at it in his fine book, The Cosmic Pulse. Uh, you know, the, the Wilhelm Reich ability to see these living. Yes, um, we've talked about that a lot lately on the show. In the atmosphere. And, and, mm -hmm. and they're, what are they in? They're in plasma bodies. That's why you can sort of diaphanous, you can kind of see through them, you kind of don't. But when I remember when I first started writing this book, maybe it was the last one. Anyway, I don't remember. Uh, the, um, and I started reading this book that Clifford had recommended I read about plasma physics. And uh, as I'm reading it, I'm going, yeah, yeah, this plasma, you know, they say it's the fourth state of matter. I think that's a lie. I think it's the first state of matter. Because how it works, if the electric universe uh, people are right, which I think they're mostly right, they're not right on some things, but uh, is that uh, space is filled with ether, mm -hmm. completely filled. I, I once left my body at, uh, at night, one night and uh, zoomed up there. And, and I remember passing the moon over here and then I got up into dark space. The further into dark space I got, the more it was like, oh, wow, silky chocolate pudding. Oh, it was just heaven. I, I was just in <laughs> ecstasy. And then I'd think something like, oh, I don't know if I really want to go back. <laughs> Suddenly, boom, I'm back down. 
hovering outside the window where I could see myself sleeping. And so I went up and down uh, several times, but it was the last time I was up there and I slid into that chocolate pudding with just delight, absolute deep, deep delight and ecstasy. And I suddenly realized it's all love. It's all love. I was just, I just couldn't believe it. And that, that love of God thing, you know, I've always, I've always known it's true, but I haven't understood it. And yet, if you, if you think of God as, as this wonderful, as far as you can think as a human being of this universe and this dark space. Uh, so, um, so that, that, that was the experience that made me, uh, when the entity came and it was a big, uh, and maybe you've heard me, maybe I said it when Dan, I was talking to Daniel, when it, when this, uh, it looked like a big skate fish. And when I say big, it was probably 20 by 40, maybe feet. Uh, it was a ship. It, it was definitely, it looked like a ship to me. And as it's, as it kind of cruises in, I'm watching it approach because I'm in my plasma body. I'm, my body is asleep upstairs and I'm standing out in my lawn of the house I used to own and I'm watching it approach and I go, oh, oh my gosh, it's coming along the same path I took when I went up past the moon. And, uh, and then I realized, oh yeah, I left my frequency along there course that's how it how it knows to find me yeah like breadcrumbs like Hansel and Gretel so uh it it comes and and right away uh we're we're in simpatico with our our minds or our consciousness and um and I'm realizing at the same time it's being very friendly but it's very big and then that's when I noticed that what I thought were portholes are actually gills and it's breathing and then I realized, yeah, it looks like a skate fish. And, and I can tell without touching it, but maybe in a way my sense of touch went up and touched it without going, uh, my whole body going, because its skin was raspy. Like when we used to dissect sharks when I was in biology in college, because uh, I was in University of Hawaii. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, like sandpaper. So, uh, so I'm looking at it and then I realized, oh, if I were the least afraid, I think I might be abducted. And then I was like, yeah, but which body? And meanwhile, there I am, Ilana is like this. I'm thinking, would it be this body that would be, a, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm considering the possibilities of which body it would take. Um, and, uh, and, and yet I was not afraid and it could tell I was not afraid, but it was sort of, sort of watching me with a sort of predatory aspect. I was still interested in, in this, this ability to, because I knew it was reading my thoughts. Uh, it had much greater skill than I do, but I was in my plasma body, which really helped a little bit. Uh, and finally, it decided that it probably gone as far as it could with me. And then it just cruised over me. And as it cruised over me, I could feel the field, that radiation field. And then it shot off super fast into the West. And, uh, and that was my one experience of these, these uh, critters as, as Trevor called them. I used to communicate with him before he died, uh, email. Um, so, 
So anyway, let's consider the plasma body. Let's consider, go back to the virtual idea because this is really important. So this virtual self, this is not easy. Yeah, they want to control our mind. Our brain, let's say the brain first. But they want more than that. These are these are elites. They they want the occult stuff. They want the really because they want to thumb their nose at the gods, and take their precious human being from them, and run this planet the way they want to run it. That's really what's going on here. I can feel it with every fiber of my being. Um, and so agree. they want to uh, the, the the virtual self, the virtual Ilana is not only gonna to have to run my brain, that's a piece of cake. They've got all the frequencies for the brain. But it's now, it's gonna to have to also run my mind, which is part of my soul, which has to do with my, my subtle bodies. And if they're certainly the astral, the etheric, and the, uh, the if I'm right, the plasma body. So, or, or etheric double could use that term as well, I think. I think they're the same thing. So anyway, that's not easy. That's not easy. So it's much easier if you've got people who aren't human anymore. Yeah, much easier. Yeah, just, just get, that, get that soul out of there. Just forget it. And uh, uh, make the uh, automat automatize the ones who were previously human. So I think that's what they're up to now would be my guess for the human race. Now for people like me who are somewhat conscious, well, that's a little harder. And then uh, that's, that's why I'm not afraid at all because I have a lot of allies uh, on the other side, you might say. And I have a lot of allies here this morning. I just had someone call me today and tell me anything I need, just let him know. I mean, it's like, hey, I got some allies. <laughs> so so that's, that's kind of, did I take it far enough for you, Mike? Or should I have stayed more with the virtual self? Because I really think that uh, I'm, I'm in touch with some targeted individuals in which the virtual self is now operant and they're having a hard time thinking, holding on to their thoughts. They're constantly, they know that the uh, virtual cartoon characters they're seeing are just uh, implements of uh, brain um, uh, uh, tampering, mm -hmm. but still it's so real. It's so yep. real. You know, you know who's been targeted of late is uh, NSA whistleblower Bill Benny. Well, I know. And that's why I was concerned about his uh, his marriage, actually. Uh, yes, I've been following uh, because I was following his wife before they even knew each other. I believe I was following yes. her work for years, which was yeah. fascinating when she was in Europe. Yeah. And um, and literally showing how she was getting attacked by this um, by these signals in her room. It was like ding, all these crackling noises with where she'd set up foil and stuff. And it's like, oh, tin hat wearing conspiracy theorists. But she would actually show with real hard science that she was being targeted. And then it got to the point where they had a targeted individual, um, these TIs they're called, they actually showed up at the Sacramento State Capitol before the whole CV 
you know, uh, psyop because it was starting to get weight that people were coming to realize this targeted individual thing is real. They're doing experiments on people to see how effective they can be through tapping into people's brains. And then that kind of got pushed aside with the new kind of global pandemic. But this is extremely important for people to be aware of because um, it's part of the whole thing. And now I believe like TikTok, right? We're hearing in the news that young girls are developing ticks from TikTok, which is which is interesting. Um, I believe that is uh, where they're pushing is through the medium of, uh, of entertainment to where you don't even have a second to know yourself anymore because you're so obsessed with um, the culture of in the now streaming, you know, virtual reality media. Um, and so they won't even have to target people anymore because once again, it's the Fahrenheit 451 Brave New World model. People just are opting in for it because they believe that's what's fun now. And yeah, they but, say, but you know, go, go a little further because mm -hmm. it isn't just that they're making decisions, they're plugged in now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. if, I mean, what I find is going to be a challenge for us as we discuss these things and analyze them is what is constantly left out in most people, not in me, because I, I get it, uh, mm -hmm. is the 5G, 6G element that is now operant. So um, I, I have compassion for people who are buying uh, the program because they are in the program. And, yeah. and we have to look at our prepositions now, uh, now that the internet is, in my opinion, uh, in the, the ones who have had at least two jabs, they are now in the program. They are in the program. Uh, they are not of it or in connection with it or making decisions about it that are bad. No, they are in it. And so now, when we listen to people and see how, you know, like on TikTok, what happens and you can feel if they were self-reflective, which they won't be at all, uh, then uh, they would see, oh, wow, you know, the TikTok thing just happened and whew, I, I, I'm totally in it. I'm totally, I'm totally connected to it. I'm, I'm believing exactly what they're telling me. There's, there's no, there's no interstice between my, in my reflective processes. There's no, you know, I'm just not having that. No, they're not, they're not able to do that anymore. So now it's, a, it's like the synthetic version of the mind parasites. Like it makes me think of Colin Wilson. I don't know if you're yeah, familiar with right, his Colin work. Colin Wilson. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Oh, he foresaw so much. He mm -hmm. really did. But, but I, and, and I think, and I was very influenced by his book, the outsiders, because of course, when I read yeah. it, I was an outsider. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally thought I was seeing myself. So, so let's just remember that. And I wanted to say one thing without uh, getting into the subject, because I won't get into the subject, but regarding um, whistleblowers like Bill Binning. What I meant about the marriage was not what you came up with. My concern is now he has disappeared. He has disappeared from the public eye mm -hmm. and the person he married has always been dubious to me, mm. always from the very beginning. And I would say that with like with Kathy, just as an, a comparison, because now we're looking at human beings who may not be human, who may be still MK altered, who may be this, may be that. This is not a clear area. We're, we're gonna have to use our, our spiritual discernment. With Kathy O'Brien, um, Kathy is a very sweet person. Uh, 
but is she deprogrammed really? Or are they still using her? Mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of MK, I know maybe a dozen MK ultras, and um, many of them are still being used. So, you know, one, one keeps one's eyes open regarding people. Uh, we wish them the best, absolutely, because they're being used, you know, that's, that's like a, being a gun in somebody's hand kind of thing. Uh, I know that I'm not dealing necessarily with a free will being because it's MK Ultra, because uh, this person may be being run in some way by an intelligence agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know it sounds like, wow, you know, Ilana's really living in her paranoia. Yeah, paranoia now is my sixth sense. It's at yeah. least part of my sixth <laughs> sense. And I, but I, I never, I'm not into judgment. I don't judge these people, they're, they're trapped. They are trapped. And to get out of, I, I know Elisa E, and I think uh, David and I, um, Daniel and I may have mentioned Elisa, but she's an MK Ultra, and I know her very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I helped her write, uh, get her books up and running uh, about MK Ultra and her years in bondage, in absolute bondage. But she has done a great deal of deprogramming. And you can definitely tell. And that's why I say with Kathy, mm, not necessarily, she was married to Mark Phillips, who's CIA. There are all sorts of things that were sort of yelling at me about Kathy, but that doesn't mean that I don't think she's a wonderful person. She is. She has lived through hell and has come back to tell bits and pieces of it. And I, I, I laud her for that. Yeah. Uh, no, Lana, go ahead, Mike. No, you go ahead, sir. I was just gonna, uh, well, I was going to make a couple of comments, but, uh, you know, one, uh, the DNA connection, I really ex- uh, believe explains what Rudolf Steiner was talking about, you know, losing the God gene, because uh, if you look at DNA, just the structure of it, it's a dual impedance antenna. antenna and, um, right. you know, yeah. And, and like, this is a dual impedance antenna. And if I want to ping some level of subplane or, or electronic plane or reality, all I have to do is move the cursor. And then that allows me to ping off of that particular plane. Now, in the case of mm-hmm. DNA, what they're doing is actually altering the coding of, yeah. the, of the horizontals, which uh, really is going to dictate what you're capable of pinging off of. So now you're talking about that yeah. higher mental body or higher self, you know, just above our head. And, uh, you know, now we can't access the resonance from that higher mental yeah. body. And we're only picking up the resonance from their technology. So I just want to say that. And, you know, back in the 80s, I, I was uh, working with a group of people and we were becoming very successful in uh, accessing different realms of a person's consciousness in order to make beneficial changes in their biology. And I went through a period, uh, you know, doing that work where all of a sudden, every single time at the same day, which was the height of my workday seeing people, I just had to crawl out of my skin. Sometimes I felt like I had to run out of the room and it just went on for a few months and I didn't know what to do about it. I mean, it was intense. Uh, I did seek the help of somebody else who is very talented and aware in that realm. And, and she just said, you know, you're being targeted. And this was way back in the day before those terms were even used. And uh, she helped me deal with it. And sure enough, within a short while, I wasn't bothered anymore. But I think I know what it's like to be targeted, at least on a certain level. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. 
and uh, mm-hmm. and the targeting now. I mean, I'm known in the targeting community probably primarily because I completely believe people. I I mean, I know enough about the technology to see how it works on them, and uh, and there are I would say in America alone there are probably a million and a half people being targeted in their homes and offices. Uh, what are they doing? Well, part of it is big data, drawing big data and feeding the big munching supercomputers. And then uh, part of it is uh, experimentation, uh, constant experimentation on how to do remote control over the people that they're now vaccinating or inoculating uh, to, uh, to be the receivers of the virtual self. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what the targeting is about now. They're using very uh, pedestrian BF Skinner uh, tactics. So it's all about reaction response, reaction response, react when they have it on an AI program. And most of them are, seem to be AI programs. Now and then there might be a human participant, but on the other hand, some AIs are probably practicing their humanity uh, and sounding like a human. So. So the targeting to me is part of the uh, the MK Ultra, yes, but all MK Ultra now is being done remotely. Don't need the clinics anymore. Don't need the hospitals. Don't need the big silver machines. You can do it all from a distance, and a lot of it is as uh, Dr. Robert Duncan, the PhD guy, who was actually part of creating this technology said, uh, a lot of it is, uh, is done by satellite. So if we can understand these, I think to become conversant with these technologies to some degree helps the higher self and the spiritual world to which we are still tethered if we are human. I don't know what's going on with the people that are no longer human. I don't. I don't know enough about that, uh, but we are still tethered to the spiritual world. And if we we use our God-given intelligence and our ability to really research, uh, it it uh, it helps them to assist our free will, because they will they being the dead people that have us on their mind, uh, the angels the the whoever up there that's uh, on the side of the religion of the gods, um, they cannot enter, uh, they cannot solve our problems for us. That's part of being free will being is we must solve our problems. We must make a motion, a motion forward. That's why I have a lot of confidence in, in being devoting as much time as I do to this and as much intent intention as Carlos Castaneda called it. Very interesting stuff he said. Putting my intention into this, my time, my energy, all that I have. uh, That makes a huge impact on the other side that you have just one person. Now, if you have 5,000 people doing the same thing in their own individual ways, doesn't matter what religion they're in, doesn't matter you know, how that goes. It's, it's the intention, the intent. Um, then, uh, then mountains are moved. 
And, uh, you know, that's what Jesus, whether you think of him as a master or the son of God or whatever, that's what he said is that you can, you know, you will say to a mountain move and it will move. And that's, that's how it works. And I know that, uh, I, I'm just and greater things ye shall do also. Yes. And I'm one person, just one person that knows this, the secret. And of course, you know, there's an entire culture created out here to get you to watch TV and watch this and watch that and listen to this and take this drug and do that. And, you know, and I mean, it's, can you see how just distracting people from using their intent is a, a very powerful uh, silent war weapon? And it must be seen that way. Yeah. Yeah. And the title I put of this talk is Overcoming the Geoengineered Transhumanism Agenda with Alana Freeland, because we're about solutions here on this channel. So you've been so generous with your time today, Alana, and we appreciate you so much. Maybe to close out, you kind of just nailed, nailed the nail on the head right there. Overcoming is each and every person doing the work, understanding our power, coming together, and I'm seeing it, you know, that's the thing, like with channels like the dark journalist and the work you're doing and with Alpha Vedic here and our friends, you know, and all these other shows that are coming up and the alternative media, which is, is blowing up as a reaction to how terrible media mainstream media is and how co-opted and corporatized and just junk it is. Um, we're seeing it happen. We're seeing it. So yes. um, maybe some closing words though, Alana on um, overcoming this. Well, you just said it. What do you mean? You just said what I would say. Uh, and uh, But more concerned, I just want to make sure people realize they can get all these books at, at the usual places, right? The Amazon. And uh, and with this book, uh, Geoengineered Transhumanism, I really, I really feel it's a manual to help people through these times. And it, it does strengthen you to know. Uh, knowledge is power. Scientia est potentia. Uh, the dark side knows that, and that's why they've kept knowledge from us and lied to us consistently. Uh, and uh, it's time for the forces of light on our side, for the people to, uh, to know this and to not just watch it in a video. It, the video process is very different from the reading process, folks. And we need strength now not alpha waves, not endless alpha waves of receptivity. So um, my hope is that people will use this manual to, uh, to prepare themselves because this, this has just begun. Uh, but uh, of course, the, the side of right will always win. I mean, <laughs> of, course, of course, that's how it works. Uh, I'm in no fear of that, but I want the human genome to continue. Yes. <laughs> yes, that would be nice, right? Well, this has been such a great talk, Ilana. And um, what is the best place for people to find your book? Uh, the best place to continue following you? Well, ilanafreeland.com is my, uh, my blog site. And my webmistress uh, is, has done a fabulous job with that site. It's, it's endlessly uh, interesting. Uh, and so uh, that's, you can buy the books there. You can go to Amazon, Evil Amazon and buy it there. You can, uh, to get a color copy, there's only one place you can get color in, uh, illustrations. There are 60 illustrations in the book. 
uh, would be at the Rudolf Steiner Bookstore in Seattle, Washington. Very They're the cool. only ones, that, and, and it's completely up to them. They're the ones handling the whole color edition to make sure some people have that. Why isn't the other one color? Because the price would have been prohibitive for most people. Mm -hmm. Well, we will have those links in the show notes below, guys. So if you're watching this on YouTube or listening, just check the show, show notes. Please go support Alana's work. All of her books are uh, an amazing read, actually so in-depth. It's a multiple reading process. It's like first get through the first time. Don't stress out on trying to grab all the facts because they're so detailed and so well documented too. There's so many footnotes and everything. You do an amazing job. I don't know. I mean, you're pulling from source from your higher self, I tell you, because it's a, it's transcendental what you've done with this work. Um, and um, yeah, please go support Alana. Um, you, you recently, we posted this amazing lecture you did on Steiner that people really, um, I feel like Rudolf Steiner has really become uh, uh, very prescient in the consciousness of the alternative media and alternative truth uh, for a reason right now. Um, yeah. When we did our uh, 4th of July um, uh, celebratory um, uh, festival this summer, Steiner was in the air. We were talking about Western mysticism the whole time. I mean, David Avocado Wolf did a two hour lecture on Steiner to 500 right. people and families and kids and about Aramon right. and the Aramonic deception. And it's like, cause now's the time he was talking about. So um, thank you so much for all your service and everything you've done for humanity. We appreciate you so much and we will be sending lots of people your way. So, uh, and everybody, if you did enjoy this talk, please give us a share, a thumbs up, uh, send it to your family and friends. We need, um, you know, the real overcoming, the solution is the knowledge and the education and getting people empowered in knowing that it's up to them. It's up to each of us. So thanks again. And uh, as we always end the chat, get outside, get your feet dirty, get them in the soil, go plant something, go for a walk. Mother Nature is our best educator. Uh, and that's why we're here. So thank you guys. Love you. And uh, we will see you next week as we go deep with, um, I always say her name wrong, but uh, Isla Cuesa, I believe is her name. And she is a master at the birthing process, a uh, midwife, and um, is just something really important to talk about because we're talking about bringing new life into the world and doing it properly uh, and, and then embracing the divine feminine and who mothers are. So that's going to be a really powerful show. So we, we can't wait to see you guys next week. Thank you so much. And thank you again, Alana. Uh, this was an amazing talk. And thank you for doing the work you guys do. This is really super, super valuable. Thank you so much. We get off on it. <laughs> we, we love it. So thank you, Alana. Thank we you. love you a lot. And, um, and I know we'll be in touch. All right. Bye guys. Bye-bye. Okay.